So today at the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs, we're going to form a political party like it's 1999 as we talk about uniting Alberta's Wild Rose parties, the obstacles, the nuance involved in that discussion. And, and as you, as most of you know, Jason Kenney right now is campaigning in BC and Saskatchewan to unite the right in Alberta. Um, as he became the, the progressive conservative party leader, just about a month and a half ago. Um, his platform was uniting the right. Him and he and Brian Jean have differing, differing views on how that's going to happen. And now, I, I made the 1999 joke. We all remember when the federal, when the federal right united. And, and there's more nuance to it than just uniting a bunch of people with similar views. And, and we have got today in, in Dwayne Bratt an absolutely just a, a fantastic speaker to talk about this. Uh, if, if anyone's ever watched television coming out of Calgary, they've seen Dwayne. Uh, he's an instructor at Mount Royal. And honestly, this particular topic is right in his wheelhouse. Uh, this and lacrosse. You couldn't get a better a better speaker on this and lacrosse. Uh, teaches at Mount Royal, a PhD from U of A. Is that correct, Dwayne? Yes, indeed. That's, you know what, good for him. But it teaches at Mount Royal. We're sponsored by the University of Lethbridge, so we'll just we'll go easy on that. But uh, I'm not going to interrupt him anymore. We're already running a little late. I'd like to thank our sponsors. The U of L helps us. We get a lot of coverage in local media. Uh, we have every week. This session is previewed in the pages of the Lethbridge Herald, where I once worked. And here we go. Here's Dwayne Bratt. Thank you. Um, based on the, the introduction, um, it's obvious that we could not get a big name. Um, so <laughs> uh, but I always enjoy, I, I come down at least once a year, and uh, I enjoy the trip. And the good news is I didn't get a speeding ticket on the way down this year. Um, cross the fingers on the way back. Um, I know we began with the joke about Jason Kenney campaigning in Saskatchewan and NBC, but as you'll find out, maybe he's doing reconnaissance work on how to unite parties because they both happen in Saskatchewan and British Columbia. And so a couple of things to, to set this up um, about this being in my wheelhouse. Uh, I am actually editing a book on the, uh, the 2015 Alberta election. In the first two years, we're here? No. There we go. There we go. All right. Editing a book on the 2015 Alberta election in the first two years of the NDP government. I am not writing the chapter on the future of the Progressive Conservative Party, David Stewart and Anthony Sayers from the University of Calgary are, but I know what's in there. Um, so I'm going to steal some of their stuff and tell you what they should have put in uh, that they didn't. Um, <laughs> The other is, and this is how I'm going to begin, there will be two parts to the talk. The second part of the talk will be about the Unite the Right movement in Alberta. The first part will talk a bit about the theory around the division and reunification of political parties. And this is a study that I'm doing with a colleague of mine at Mount Royal, Bruce Foster. And we're going to be delivering the first stab of this uh, paper at the Prairie Provinces Political Science Association in September. Um, and so this is my first public attempt at talking a bit about that. Um, if there are flaws with the theory, it is, it is Bruce's fault. Um, <laughs> and so, when we, so the theory around this is that the conservative movement in Canada 
federally and provincially, has a history of dividing into different political parties and then reuniting again, looking for the proper vehicle. In fact, it can be argued that this division and reunification is in fact a fundamental feature of Canadian conservatism. For example, federally, we have uh, the Reformed Canadian Alliance splitting away from the Progressive Conservative Party and then reuniting with the Progressive Conservatives. Going back deeper into history, the Social Credit Party emerged out of the Conservative Party and then eventually rejoined them in some respects. Provincially in Alberta, while the focus today is on Wild Rose and Progressive Conservatives, prior to that, we had breakaways from the PCs over their 40 plus years of power, uh, the Western Canada Concept, the Alberta Alliance, uh, etc. In BC, the Social Credit Party broke away from the Progressive Conservative Party, and then when the Social Credit Party imploded, the, B the PCs and the Liberals reemerged in British Columbia, and then the Liberals kind of took over all of that. So when we talk about the BC Liberals, they're not really Alberta Liberals or Federal Liberals, they're more conservative type Liberals. Uh, in Saskatchewan, the formation of the Saskatchewan Party, uh, members of the PC Party, and some members of the Liberal Party. So, based on that evidence, I, we're posing a series of questions. We don't have the answers for some of them yet. The first is, why does it occur in Canada, but not in other Western democracies that use the first-past-the-post electoral system? We don't see it in the United States. We don't see it in Britain. What is it about Canada? The second, why is it about conservatives and not centrist parties, progressive parties, parties on the left? We don't see that same behavior. Why is it more prevalent in Western Canada than Central or Eastern Canada? So all the examples I cited, including the federal examples, emerged out of Western Canada. So we're still searching for those um, factors. We have some hypotheses and maybe I can discuss those later. And then finally, what are the conditions for division and reunification? The first, based on the empirical record, is that division occurs when the party is in government. So for example, when the PCs were in power is when the Reform Party emerged in Western Canada. Provincially, Wild Rose broke away from the PCs when the PCs were in power. What focuses reunification? being out of power. So the Unified Con Conservative Party of Canada emerged after they lost three straight elections to the Liberals. Uh, provincially in Saskatchewan, um, the Saskatchewan Party emerged after multiple elections of the Saskatchewan NDP. Um, you look obviously at the reunification going on between Wild Rose and PC now, it's because they're out of power. And as a counterexample, what happens when mergers try to happen when one of the parties is in power? Well, you don't have to go very far. December of 2014, Daniel Smith and, uh, and 11 uh, Wild Rose MLAs crossed the floor to join Jim Prentice in the Progressive Conservative government, and everybody associated with that floor crossing lost their job. So that tells you some of the dangers when one's in power and one's not. And this is the other fascinating piece, and we just learned about this. Uh, and this is one of the drivers for the study, is we found a document that they had thought had been lost and in fact had been incinerated, where there was an attempt at merging in the late 1960s the Social Credit Party of Alberta and the Progressive Conservative Party of Alberta. 
And Ernest Manning was premier at the time. He saw what was going to occur. He saw the threat coming from Lockheed. He decided to work at bringing these two parties together. The interesting feature is the two people who were tasked to doing that were a bunch of young 20-year-olds. For the social credit one, it was Preston Manning. And for the progressive conservatives, it was a young aide to Peter Lockheed by the name of Jill Clark. Um, so the legacy of Clark and Manning fighting goes back to the late 1960s. And Preston Manning, when he was showing me the document, was telling the story of how they were ordered to incinerate this by his father, and they decided to do it on the Manning farm. And so he's describing Clark and Manning dressed up in dark clothing to burn this by the barn, <laughs> and Preston's mother seeing it and almost calling the cops on them. And so I would have loved to picture these two people going through that, the woods. Um, so the other point I wanted to make is what breaks parties up tends to be ideology, because governments have to compromise, and there's a group that doesn't want to compromise, so they break away. What reunites parties is not ideology, it is power. And uh, so that's kind of the theory of where I want to then use reuniting the Alberta Conservatives as an example of that. The first thing we have to talk about, though, is why Wild Rose broke away from the Progressive Conservative Party to begin with. Now, there had always been smaller conservative parties opposing the PC since the PC election of 1971. There was still a social credit party, uh, particularly in southern Alberta, that, that remained. Then we go with the Western Canada concept. Paul Hinman wins an election in, 19, in 2004 with the Alberta Alliance. This is all happening. And so Wild Rose was just part of that pattern. The difference was it became more and more powerful than these other smaller parties. And really, the two drivers to that was the uh, election of Ed Stelmack as leader of the Progressive Conservative Party and subsequent premier, and his royalty review. And you can see the movement of money from the PC party to the, the opposite, to, to Wild Rose in 2008, 2009, 2010. I've got the data on that. It is remarkable. Not the big oil companies, but the small and medium-sized oil and gas companies as a result. And there were three key events that really professionalized Wild Rose. One was the election of, of Daniel Smith. <coughs> Daniel's reputation is in tatters now, but if we go back to 2008-2009, this was a young, energetic female with some policy chops. It was a, a big moment for Wild Rose. The second was the Calgary-Glenmore by-election, where Paul Hinman, who had been with the Alberta Alliance, wins a by-election for the Wild Rose Party with the slogan, Send Ed a Message. And it was sent pretty clearly because the PCs finished third in that race. And Wild Rose wins a seat uh, in, in Calgary. And then the third key event was Heather Forsythe and Rob Anderson crossing the floor from the PCs to the Wild Rose. Um, this was important because we have seen floor crossings throughout Canadian history. But for people to leave the governing party, and not just the governing party, the governing dynasty, to a party that had one elected MLA was remarkable. Um, and so that really gave momentum to the Wild Rose Party. It looked like Wild Rose was going to defeat the Ed Stelmack PCs, and then Ed Stelmack resigns. 
Um, and there's a, a famous story of the day that he resigned. Um, there's a lot, there's a hidden story about what actually precipitated that. Um, the consensus is that it was an ultimatum given by Ted Morton, who was the finance minister at the time, and a handful of other uh, ministers saying, if you don't resign, we will resign. And you can imagine the impact of having eight, ten ministers resign. But it was when it happened. So we had a major speech going on in downtown Calgary with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, the governor of California at that time. And he's giving a talk. And better mind, this was, you know, Mr. Olympia, this was a movie star, this was the governor of California. He's used to having attention. And he's looking across the room of 1,500 people, and everybody has their head down, staring at their phone, talking very loudly to the people around the table. And he stops his speech and goes, what the hell just happened? And then he was informed that the Premier of Alberta had just resigned. So I always found that, uh, that interesting, that story interesting. So the Wild Rose was prepared to win the election. They were prepared to run against Ed Stelmack. Ed leads, and a, a, uh, a long shot by Allison Redford goes and wins the PC party uh, nomination. And in a come-from-behind victory, wins, wins the election. So she wins the election in 2012. Think about that. That was five years ago. Five years ago, Alison Redford wins a majority government. And a lot's changed in the last five years, to say the least. And so, you know, the Wild Rose takes a bit of a hit after, after an election that they thought they were going to win. Um, they're in opposition. And then Redford slowly implodes. She implodes on policy grounds and she implodes on personal grounds. And so once again, Wild Rose is leading in the polls, ready to win the next election, and Alison Redford resigns. And another man on a white horse rolls in, in Jim Prentice. And Jim Prentice has um, a very good first couple months. Uh, he wins a series of by-elections in September of, of 2014. He gets rid of some of the uh, the challenges, uh, some of the destitutes of, of, of Redford, and, and Prentice is riding high, and he decides to go one step further. And that's the floor crossing uh, of Daniel Smith in December of 2014. And I said at the time, I said this is a great move by the Conservative Party and a horrible move for Alberta democracy. I was right on the second point, I was wrong on the first point, because in retrospect, it was not a good day for the PC party. It looked so at the time, but it strongly contributed to their election defeat in May of 2015. I, I mentioned the book that we've got coming out. Um, my chapter is why the PCs lost the election. And there's a number of different reasons, um, the, the legacy of 40 years in government, et cetera, et cetera. But the two trigger points was the floor crossing and the early election call. The idea that you destroy the political opposition and then you kick them when they were down offended the sensibilities of Albertans. And so as a result, the PCs get wiped out in the May of 2015 election and Rachel Notley wins a surprising uh, majority government. So, um, now we're at the rebuilding stage for the for the PC party. Right after the election, 
Brian Jean, the leader of the Wild Rose Party, starts musing about uniting the right type of conservatives. But he wasn't talking about party merger. What he was talking about was people leaving the PC party and joining the Wild Rose Party. I'm going to come back to that because I don't think a lot has changed in Brian Jean's mind. Uh, that's how he saw a merger occur. It's just the gradual disappearance of the PC party. Maybe there would be a rump PC, but its power base, its supporters, its workers, its voters would all lead to the Wild Rose. Similar to what happened in 71, where gradually the social credit got smaller and smaller and smaller, and they were co-opted by the PC party. This was working quite well until the summer of 2016, and Jason Kenney enters the race. And Jason Kenney decides um, to leave federal politics and come back and run for the leadership of the PC party and eventually the premiership of the province. Similar to what Jim Prentice had done. Except in Prentice's case, he'd been in the private sector for a while. Kenney's case, they had just lost the federal election. Um, Justin Trudeau was going to be in there at least four years, possibly longer, and so Kenny decides to leave federal politics, come back to the province, and he identifies a five-point plan. Win the PC leadership, open merger talks with the Wild Rose Party, have a referendum of existing PC and Wild Rose members to ratify the merger, have a leadership race for the new Alberta Conservative Party and defeat the NDP in the 2019 election. A pretty audacious five-point plan, very tight timelines. He's already achieved number one, and he achieved number one pretty handily. I was surprised how easily the progressive wing of the PC party just disappeared. Um, and Jason Kenney steamrolled that election, and he did it in a number of different ways. One is the official race doesn't start until October 1st. He starts in early July. He basically has a three-month head start. And fundraising rules don't kick in until October 1st, so he was raising and spending money throughout that three-month period. Kenny is a tremendous organizer, uh, worked all around the province, and, and won that handily. We're now in step two around merger talks with the Wild Rose Party. I will say I have been surprised how quiet the merger talks have been. There have been no leaks. There were no public statements until Brian Jean made some opaque statements yesterday. Jason Kenney, um, I thought he was on holidays. Apparently he's in BC. Um, a lot of people holiday in BC. And I could understand why he would take a holiday. He, he didn't take a holiday over the summer. He was campaigning for the PC leadership. He knew that once the merger negotiations were over, he would have to campaign for the ratification, the referendum ratification. Then he would go into a leadership race. Then if he won that, there'd be planning and preparation for the 2019 election. This was probably the only time for him to have a holiday. But there's been no public statements and no leaks. I mean, this is a part of politics. There's been a lot of leaks over the years, and there's nothing. It's quiet. Now, they have an internal deadline of May 5th. For those not familiar with the calendar, that's tomorrow. <laughs> um, let's see what happens tomorrow. So, is this going to happen? I will talk about the case for it happening, the indicators of success, and I will talk about some of the challenges. The first indicator of success is Jason Kenney's own political skills. 
I mean, give the guy credit here. Unlike a secret backdoor deal around the floor crossings in December, he has been as open and transparent as you can be. He campaigned on this. In fact, imagine you're a PC member where he was essentially campaigning to end your party and people voted for him. Give him full credit. I'm not sure if you've heard the story about the Smith-Prentice negotiations, but those were going on in secret in Edmonton. Now, the way the legislature operates is they have an afternoon session, then they break for dinner, then they come back for an evening session. So in the afternoon, Wild Rose would be hectoring the PCs, and the PCs would be yelling back at them, then they would break for dinner, and then there was these secret talks about joining together. And then they would come back, and they would start yelling at each other again uh, on, on the floor. It was like you know the old cartoon with the sheepdog and and uh, and the wolf. And uh, you know they would they would walk into work. Hi Ralph, how's it going? And then they would fight each other, and then they would time up again. It was fascinating. Um, so Kenny has done completely different. The way that he won the PC leadership shows his political skills. The fact that he was a senior cabinet minister under Stephen Harper shows his political skills. In fact, I would argue he was one of the key architects of the 2011 majority government for the Conservatives because they were able to bring in, for the first time, new Canadian voters um, of Chinese Indian ancestry in suburbs of Toronto, in suburbs of of Vancouver, without winning a whole lot of seats in Quebec. It was Jason Kenney. You know, the minister for Curry in a hurry, sitting uh, for years and built those ties up. But that's a testament to his political skills. His ease in, in achieving step one, illustration of that. He has, there's great support amongst grassroots conservatives for the merger to happen. Kenny wins the PC leadership with a lot of Wild Rose voters who took out memberships of the PC party or who in fact may have had memberships in both parties. So there are caucus supporters uh, within the Wild Rose, current MLAs who support Jason Kenney and want this merger to occur. So the support of the grassroots is there. Both parties have branding issues. Um, The PCs still have the legacy of the culture of entitlement and arrogance that led to them being defeated in May of 2015. Wild Rose still has issues around Lake and Fire. Um, The PCs have issues in rural Alberta. Wild Rose has problems in urban Alberta. So the idea would be get rid of the PCs, get rid of the Wild Rose, come up with something new, call it the Alberta Party. Well, wait, that name's already been taken. Maybe the Conservative Party of Alberta, something along those lines. Um, So there's branding issues that are also driving this. The lessons that were learned from the federal merger, the lessons that were learned from the 2014 floor crossings, the lessons that were learned from Saskatchewan, all that previous history that I described, they're aware of and they're not repeating those mistakes. And finally, what is the biggest motivator? What is the big driver for this? Power. Taking the the NDP out of government, taking Rachel Notley out of government, reforming the way they believe things ought to be in Alberta. So that's all the case for the merger. Now we get to some of the challenges, because it's not easy. The first is the tight timelines. Remember that five-step program, right? The election is in May of 2019. That's two years away. That's a long 
that, that seems like a long time, but things are happening quickly. They're supposed to have the negotiations completed by May. The, you know, some sort of referendum in September, a leadership race. Now we're talking a year out, so very tight timelines. Um, put in comparison, the peace, the federal merger between the PCs and the Conservatives, they were locking heads for well over a decade. Um, when Preston Manning had the big, big conference and the, uh, uh, the Chimes of Change conference, this was in the 19, late 1990s, it took another four or five years after that and two more election defeats before it happened. So that's a challenge. Um, the merging, four minutes, I have four points. There we go. The merging of assets. Um, Elections Alberta has said you can't merge party assets. Um, there is a dis disagreement. There are lawyers largely tied to the Kennedy campaign that says that they can. But this merging of assets, because Wild Rose has money, PCs have debt. That's a problem. But the PC constituency associations have lots of money. So how do you divide the money up? Voting rules. Is it one member, one vote, or equal votes between each party? There are social issues that divide the parties. The reason that we call the PCs the progressive conservatives is they tend to be a lot more progressive on social issues. In fact, Jason Kenney's already got himself in a bit of trouble around gay-straight alliances. So that's a major divide, particularly in the urban centers of Calgary and Edmonton. And finally, while they're negotiating the merger, what is hanging over top of them is the leadership race between Kenny and Gene. Gene and Kenny aren't at the negotiating table, but their surrogates are. And so they're each trying to structure rules that will benefit one campaign over another. And so there are, there are challenges. Uh, at the end of the day, I think the drivers are stronger than the challenges. I think the momentum to do this, it will happen. But it ain't going to be easy, and because of the difficulty in doing so, it may lead to challenges uh, down the down the road. So I think I'm about to be pulled off the stage. So uh, I will call a conclusion then, but we'll have a larger discussion. Thank you.